재미와 지식의 오디오 라이프 팝빵. This is Koreascape TBS EFM 101.3 in Seoul. Well, if you know your local theater in Seoul, you may well be familiar with the name Nasim. It's the name of a very hot performance playing currently in the city. And it features an improvisational experiment requiring a different actor to read a script without any prior rehearsal or direction each night of the performance. Essentially a cold reading by one main actor each and every time. The performance is named after the playwright Nassim Solemanpour, who is from Iran, and he's best known for his creative solo play White Rabbit, Red Rabbit, which was performed in Seoul a while back, and it has been translated into more than 20 languages as it continues to be performed around the world. Nassim is currently based in Berlin, but right now he's in Seoul to work on this performance with actors including Munsori, Oh Man Sok and Yu Chun Sang. He's here to talk about the play and about life as a playwright. Hello, Nassim. Hello. Good morning. It is a pleasure to see you. This is a hot ticket. And uh, you've got how many shows? You've got uh, 21 or yes, more? Yes, we have 21. Each and every time featuring a new Korean actor. Yes, I think that is my luck. You know, it's like every night you hang out with a new person. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's, it, I mean, I personally, I'm no theater expert, but I've never heard of this sort of format before. You did it in your last show, uh, White Rabbit, Red Rabbit, uh, and you're doing it all over again. This idea that the actor cannot know anything. Uh, and I don't want to spoil it for people, but, but what else can you tell me about that whole thing? Well, look, uh, I think life knows no rehearsals. I think we just, this is us, every day in the morning, mm -hmm. wake up, you show up at work, and you're challenged, and you have to deal with the challenges. So that is basically my concern. And of course, it can make us a bit uh, invulnerable, or like fragile, which is in a way beautiful. And as you said, yeah, this whole thing started with Wide Rabbit, Red Rabbit, which was born out of a necessity. Yeah. Well, I mean, just sticking with this kind of format of uh, this sort of cold reading, new person every night format, it sounds the exact opposite of, I think, what most people understand theater to be. So in this sense, it's improvisational, it seems. In a way. I mean, I'm, I must say any invention we had in the history, if you look at the very first cars that, you know, we... we uh, manufactured, it was a lot of effort to run a car, you know, to drive it. At the beginning, it's always hard. Uh, but the time goes on and we just like try to be more creative. So it's possible. It's very doable. I hope my projects could be a good testament that you can just show up in a theater half an hour before the show and you can do a very good performance. You would be happy. Hopefully every, every person in the room mm. can be happy as well. White Rabbit, Red Rabbit, you said, was written out of necessity. It used very similar uh, format. What was the necessity that prompted that play? Well, when I wrote White Rabbit, Red Rabbit, of course, we opened it in 2011. It took me six years, seven years to finish it. But all those years, I was in Iran and I didn't have a passport. Because in Iran, if you are a boy, once you're 18, you have to do military service. Otherwise, you don't obtain your passport. Uh, you're under sort of country arrest, as it were. You can't travel. Yeah, in a way, you're like trapped inside the lovely Iran. And that was my case. And it's a very common uh, decision. It's very fascinating. I wonder, I mean, here there's mandatory military service. And I wonder if they put that on the table. Guys, you just won't get a passport. <laughs> How many would take that option here in Korea? 
Or maybe like both countries go for like guys, you know, you don't even, you can't even get your passport. Yeah, that's a bit yeah. of cold, no? <laughs> I mean, that's still harsh, but uh, eh, and I just muse in my mind how many uh, South Korean men would uh, opt for that particular option. I think South Koreans yeah, that's love very, to travel so much. That's very true. Once I arrived here, every interview I had, I was like being questioned like, are you safe to go back home? You know, and I was just like, yeah. And I kept saying, yes, why do you think I should be in trouble? And then my lovely translator explained to me that here it can be even more serious. Yeah. So I was just like, oh, my God. Like, yeah, it's not as bad as I thought. It can get worse. Well, there's <laughs> a lot of um, preconceptions about Iran. I mean, and to what degree it's a, an authoritarian system and to what extent expression, especially expression like yours that has uh, spread all around the world and is partially, to the extent I can understand it, a commentary on Iran and your life in Iran. To what extent would that get you in trouble? It's not necessarily as harsh a system over there as one might think. Is that would I be correct in saying that? Well, I mean, it depends on like where you're standing. So mm. if you're reading Noam Chomsky, okay. I think you're on the right track. If you are watching, you know, Homelands, it's very horrible. That is not Iran. So we're sitting on oil. It's a very beautiful country, four-seasoned country, and people are like so up to date. My situation with Iran, I think, makes it even more tricky. Yeah, I'm like a playwright who doesn't live in Iran, who has been performed, as you said, in many languages, but not Farsi. Uh, I'm away, so I'm not really, you know, into every details. I know I don't know what, what exactly is happening. So I'm like on one of those kind of relationships, like love relationships, that whenever you get close, uh -huh. you're together, you're like, oh, my God, I can't stand it. I have to escape. Uh -huh. And when you're not with them, you go for like, oh, my God, I miss them. You know, I want to go back. <laughs> That's Iran for you. So this is Iran for me. I think I'm in love with Iran. In a way. But you're so I, I can picture a lot of media wanting to put you in this box of uh, dissident exile playwright kind of thing. That's not you. That has been a struggle, a fight for me in the last 10 years of my life. And I think I, it's a fight that I already won. Now people are like more, oh, he's a crazy Iranian who is into forms of theater, who's trying to do something with structurally, you know, with, with, with arts. It's very difficult to expose what you do in these shows without uh, sort of ruining it or, or stealing the thunder of the plays. But as I understand from what I've read about uh, White, White Rabbit, Red Rabbit, there's a, a recording device. Is that right? Like a, a no, that is Blind kind of Hamlet. That's a different one. Blind Hamlet is a play which is like it has no rehearsals, no set. Did you come up with this whole sort of format? I don't recall any theater before being just sort of... Seems like, I mean, yeah, there are similar projects, but it seems like maybe I'm, yeah. I mean, I found a small hill. I'm just enjoying it, you know. Theater is a big mountain. Yes. It's something that I found. And yeah. I'm happy to share it with people if they want to come and explore it. What connected you to this particular medium? Why, when did you know you had uh, sort of an itch to write theater? Well, to write theater, I think I definitely started as a poet when I was really young. Then uh, at the age of 18, 19, I started to play as an actor in some place. I did a very horrible TV series. I hope no one can find it. And I hope no one. My wife found it a few years ago, randomly. Uh -huh. And she kept laughing. She was just like... You never told me. I said, like, I never tell anyone. So if you hear this, probably, yeah, please don't share it with anyone. <laughs> Luckily, you cannot Google my name in Farsi. Otherwise, you'll find it. Uh, and then, yeah, I kept uh, performing as a performer for a period of time for four years. 
then I felt like I want to direct something. And then I was just like, maybe I should write as well. So I wrote a piece. Yeah, it took me two years to write the first one in Farsi, of course. Why migrate to uh, the English language? Uh, for Well, that's a very good question. Um, I did some more conventional plays in Farsi, but then I felt like something is missing. At the time, I was concentrated on the idea of rehearsals. Honestly, I'd say most of theater makers, I hope they agree with me. We do theater not because of the shows, we do it because of the rehearsals. Okay. This is where you have tea, you know, and you become friends. And that's something that we don't share with you. Oh. And this is really sad, you know. Ah. So it becomes stale, and then we share it with you. So I had this obsession with rehearsals. In the meantime, the process of doing plays in Iran is totally different from what I've done all around the globe. And it's a bit boring, to be fair. You have to really push to convince Dramatic Arts Center. They work under the supervision of Ministry of Culture. Okay. Not exactly fans of innovation, you're saying? I mean, I yeah, I don't know. Things might have changed, but it didn't really work for me. Then I met with a Canadian director, a very known Canadian director and writer called Daniel Brooks. Uh, I was his translator in Iran. And he kept telling me, they're like, yeah, but your English is passable. Someone can tweak it for you. Why don't you write in English? And yeah, I think he was right, you know. So I owe him many things. I mean, yeah, he convinced me to write Rabbit. And I wrote Rabbit. And it opened the door. And now I'm like following. It was before. Oh, by the way, you, you did eventually leave Iran. So you got a passport at some point. This is the, the, this is the story of Blind Hamlet. So I'm half blind on my left eye. Okay. Yeah. But, so yeah, that my got you disqualified. Really you didn't have that to go to the army. invalidated me for the service. 2013. Uh-huh. This is the first time I leave Iran and I go to Brisbane to see why Rabbit Red Rabbit. So this, the show was already being put on without you. And it went on, like we said, to go dozens of languages have picked up uh, Rabbit and mm. done it in their own uh, country. Was that by design or was it just a happy accident? You intended no. it to be performed, say, in the British Commonwealth in English, and then it went into other languages. No, no, no. You used the right term. When you say, like, by design, it was designed to survive. Um, I give you very good examples. Like, why have I put my email address in the play? Yeah. Because I thought this is the best way to market a play. <laughs> and I couldn't travel with the play. Yeah. At the time, I didn't have an agent. Now I'm, I'm surrounded by lovely people who helped me to do what I do. But at the time, it was just a message in the bottle, you mm. know. Or at the end of White Rabbit, Red Rabbit, I ask a random audience member to come and finish the script. Okay. And then as, as the reward or as like a thank you, I asked them to, to take the script home and to share it with others. I even tried to convince them to put it on. So that was designed to tour. And hopefully, yeah, I mean, luckily it was a good design. It seems that it's working. It's touring quite well. If you're writing a play that, by design, is meant to be swapped out with a new actor in some other language, and whether it's English or Korean, Korean must be in a special challenge now with Nassim, it's almost like writing a computer program. I saw somebody say it's like writing an algorithm. Yeah, I mean, this is, look, okay, look at the history of theater. Where we started, it was more flexible. We were dancing together. We would switch roles, you know. And even at the time, when we talk about theater, there were other schools of performing arts. And this one was more probably stubborn. That's the term that I would use. And they insisted on the same format. And as like any invention, they took over. So theater as a medium is in a fight, I would pick the word fight, is the struggling against other media. And if we 
don't try to be more flexible in theater, we will disappear. We just have to go back to the government and we have to tell them, you give us some money. And yes, the government should spend, you know, don't get me wrong, money like we spend money on museums. So theater is like a museum. But in the meantime, theater can be more creative to to sell tickets and it can be really avant-garde. So one of the things that we don't bear in 2018, hopefully in most countries, is that you tell me you have to sit here, you have to be quiet, you have to turn off your phone, you cannot move, you cannot breathe, you Keep cannot... Keep the coughing down, don't sneeze. Yeah. That is rude in 2018. Even in the history of theater, that wasn't the reality. I could stand up and shout. I could throw tomatoes. <laughs> People might hear like we have some tomatoes in Nassim, you know? That is a reality of us. So these two things, I think they don't fit. You can barely uh, squeeze in and, and uh, like a contemporary audience member into the theater anymore. That's why, yes, you're right. We should give them a map. We should give them very good instructions and information. With this sort of format, is there any particular language that uh, has been challenging? I mean, it must be weird coming to Korea and having it come up in Korean. Well, with Nassim, I think, yes, Hangul was, was, is a challenge, but a good one. Mm. So the fact which differentiates Nassim from my other plays is that it's not, uh, we don't have only one performer. So in a way, I'm around. I need to travel with the show. And wherever we go, the show would start in their language. It will end in my language. Mm. So it's in a way, it's a language lesson. Okay. And in order to, to do this, I have to learn their language. Not like perfectly well, but yeah, I have to be able at least to write and spell things. Mm-mm. So that is that has been a struggle. But I'm proud to say now I'm able to read. So when you look at a show, a lot of shows come through Seoul, a lot of Broadway shows. You know, uh, Billy Elliot, we talked to the director of Billy Elliot. And because they know that show so cold in every cell of their body, the fact that it's in Korean is almost irrelevant because they know each inflection and every moment predictably. You don't. Weird, new, different things are happening every night. When you're not native or fluent in the language, are you able to pick up and perceive on some of the choices the actors are making? I think I am. But in the meantime, I think the huge difference is that all those shows are designed, and it needs a lot of time for that, to not have any mistakes. While the nature of what I do is mistakes. I want mistakes. I want to be confused. I want the actor to be confused. I want the audience to be confused. Once we're open towards that, you say something to me in Hangul and I don't understand. And I just keep keep looking at you because I don't understand. And I just, you know, go for like, just (laughs) what are you saying, you know? And then see, you're laughing. The audience would laugh. Then the actor has to find a way to, to tell me what he's trying to say. And then the audience would follow up. They jump in, you know, they just like try to jump up and down. And my It's comedic. It sounds fundamentally comedic at its nature. It can be. I'd say most of my plays, Nassim is really a good example of that. They start very comic and then it ends up with a very emotional feeling where you go for like, oh God, I'm crying. Comedy is a good place to start. It reels people in to a relationship, and then they can invest the emotion, don't they? Are you a playwright or something? No. (laughs) I think you should write some plays. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, what interests me is how you said the rehearsal was the fun part, you said, and all the mistakes and the goof-ups and the tea drinking, and it sounds like you're trying to export that into the actual theater experience. If I want to sell you half of the bibimbap that I ate last night, 
you wouldn't go for it. Okay. Okay. Most of theater makers, including me, that's what we're going. To, that's what we're doing to you. So we basically ate the delicious bit during the rehearsal. <laughs> Here's the leftovers. There's some leftovers, and I we keep sharing it with you every night. So it becomes even more boring. When I say Nassim will be on tour for 200 days this year, uh-huh. I'm talking about nine languages, different countries, and every night a new performer. But if I have to repeat what I do, I will quit in two days. The play is called Nassim. You are called Nassim. Is the actor on stage grabbing that script for the first time? Is he or she being you in a way? No one is no one in my plays. I mean, it's we change roles. Partly they can be me, partly I can be them. It's a journey, I can say. It's trying to unify us. Is using language because this is the nature of language because language actually separates us, you know. Like if if you don't speak English, yes. Because you're in Seoul, now we're separated. This is like me when I try to, you know, order some kimchi in Seoul. Yeah. So the more I try to say, I want kimchi, or I just try to say, point at kimchi and keep saying, Gamsamnida, yeah. the more we're, we are unifying. So this is what exactly is happening with Nassim, me physically, the actor and the audience. And I'd say even like some people there else who are really far from us maybe in Iran. So we even, yeah, we try to get connected together. It's one of the most kind of human moments you can have. I mean, everybody here, and so many people here in Korea speak a very high level of English or are proficient in English. Uh, so it's it can be difficult to find somebody who uh, whose English is kind of poor and to kind of stumble across languages at each other. That is a fun relationship to have with somebody when you and that other person are kind of uh, very highly interested and motivated to stumble across lang- linguistic boundaries together. It sounds to me like that's kind of what's happening in Nassim, is this sort of a language gap as a facilitator of curiosity, in a way. Yeah. Just imagine, okay? Imagine in the middle of a show, we are lucky enough to randomly talk to someone in another country put the random actor to just tell them something and the random actor comes to the conclusion that they want to teach them to say Mashika Mogoyo is like Bon Appetit, yeah. you know? And then this person who speaks German or Farsi comes to the conclusion to repeat it and uh-huh. then to teach them something back. This is basically, I think, what we're doing with Nassim. What's the uh, Farsi equivalent of Mashike Tuseo? Oh, Nushe John. Nushe John. Enjoy your food, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, Nusha John is like bon appetit. Well, will the audience members uh, of Nassim come out with a few good Farsi phrases since this is a language learning journey? Most definitely, yes. That is something that I really enjoy. I mean, I don't have social media anymore, but my wife keeps showing me. They're like, look, they're posting Farsi. They're hashtagging Yekibud Yekinabud, which is once upon a time. Ooh. And yeah, I mean, that's how I think I my subconscious reacted to the situation of being performed in many languages but not Farsi. This is where I'm standing. I'm a man of no lands. I, yeah, I, I don't live in Iran. I go back and forth. I write in English. So the typical expectation would be a playwright like yourself from Iran would, would make his works sort of a manifesto of, uh, about Iran and the unfairnesses and the things that, that you face. But it sounds like you're in a completely different direction. You want to no, explore yeah. what's new? Yeah. I mean, as what I really want to do is to question all these paradigms. And I'm obsessed with making, with building machines. 
machines which are using words and, and paragraphs instead of cocks. And when I say a machine, I have to explain, machine is a certain type of device which has a certain type of input, a certain type of process, often like a mystery, you know, inside the beautiful colors and designs of, the, of this machine, and of course a certain type of output. So I think that's what I've been doing with words. Um, it's a platform. It's a, it's something that the output is not is not given with these types of plays. With Nassim, it's a a different night every night. Is it more of a connection with these actors than in, in, doing sort of a rehearsed play? Do you end up sort of friends with these Korean actors that you're doing the show with here in Seoul, for example? Yes, we end up hugging each other and crying sometimes. You know, mm. they show me the photos of their their parents and their kids during the show. But the fact that we both know that this will be done in another 10 minutes and we cannot come back to do it again makes it really unique. So there are many people who did Wild Rabbit, Red Rabbit, and I wasn't around at the time because I'm not needed. And now they're doing Nassim and I'm around. There is a mysterious moment during the play where we meet. This moment is being shared with the audience in a way, but you don't see the whole thing. So sometimes we just like look at each other for a few seconds, you know, and they keep pointing at me and they're checking, are you Nassim? And I'm like, yeah, shh, yes, I'm Nassim. And they're like, I did rabbit, I did rabbit. Uh And I'm like, yeah, just give me a hug, you know? This is very human. This is something that propels me to go back to theater, you know? It's something that I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't mind. I mean, another 200 days next year, you know? There's nothing cooler than having a platform that many countries, many cultural groups are interested in checking out. It's kind of your passport to interfacing with all of these cultures, and I kind of envy you that. It's a, it's a kind of, yeah, it's, I think I'm blessed. Yeah, it's sort of something you can do and graduate from and then be part of uh, sort of a, the, the alma mater of Nassim. Nassim, the one person, more or less, play is running in Seoul. Nassim Suleimanpour is the playwright from Iran behind it. It has been an absolute pleasure to speak to you, Nassim. Thank you for coming in. No, thank you for having me here. It's my pleasure, too.